With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Sterling Clay Shepard, born on February 10th, 1993, was taken with the 40th pick in the 2016 NFL Draft and entering into his fourth season as a New York football giant, and now he is a locked-up giant for the next few years. He looks to continue his great and stellar NFL career so far. This is Previewing the Giants. You know, when I don't write out those intros, David, they can get kind of weird. And I would say if I had to rate my intro, like all of my intros so far that I've done for the previewing the Giants series, that was probably the worst one. And it stinks because it's on like one of the better players. I know. I know. Or at least fan favorite players. He certainly is a fan favorite. And we've and we've broken down now. I think you've kind of disagreed with me, but you've also come around to the side where it's like people are saying oh, Sterling Shepard is the number one wide receiver. And I'm like, you know what? He certainly has the potential to be, but show me the numbers. Is he a number one wide receiver? Still a very, very solid number two wide receiver, but show me the number one numbers. I would say, for Sterling Shepard's sake, he's better off at a number two receiver. Because I think he he's, you know how like when a baseball player is just, is in, you know, quad A ball when he's in, He's on quadruple A. He he's he rakes in triple A, but can't quite cut it in the major leagues. Sterling Shepard is is a is a one and a half receiver. He is very very productive as a number two receiver. He's very productive when he gets when he gets in in those kinds of mat, in matchups that favor him. I have the utmost confidence in him. But when he's asked to to go up against the number one corner and get separation, that's where I think he he has a tendency to struggle. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. But also, this Giants offense has just stunk. Like, last year was the best offense that he was a part of, and you're talking about a football team that was 1-8, and eight, you know, off coming off their bye week. So you right. do also have to give him a pass in that regard, where two out of his three years in the NFL was with Ben McAdoo, who would run 11 personnel, literally nine out of every 10 plays, and it would be so annoying. However, you do have to be impressed with his numbers from such a terrible, terrible offense, which we will get to. But Heritage High School in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, is where Sterling Shepard went to high school. As a senior in high school, he carried the ball for 28 times for 303 yards and eight touchdowns. And listen to this. So he caught more passes in his senior year of high school than he ever has in his NFL career. Um, 73 passes for 1,243 (laughs) yards and 17 touchdowns. So again, you want to talk, we talked about Marcus Golden putting up a created player Madden numbers right right there, right there for Sterling Shepard. What you play, what do you play, like 10, 10 11 games as a, in, in high school every season? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's kind of, and also like, think about it, like think about offenses in high school. They're not passing the ball 30, 40 times a game like they are in the NFL. No, it's just very, very creative runs. Yeah. 
So, I mean, so he had to be averaging, you know, 10, 10 catches a game for God's sake, which is kind, well, of, you know, kind of nuts. And, and for, for, for Shepard, and, and I'm, you know, Justin, we don't have a ton of structure for this episode, so I'm just going to kind of give you my thoughts. Is that okay with you? Yeah, you want to analyze his high school numbers? Go for it. No, I'm not really going to analyze his high school numbers, but what I am going to do <laughs> is Shepard, I think, has been, the, has been in the shadow of Odell Beckham, obviously. I have numbers to back this up. Um, as has everybody on the offense, excluding Saquon. I think Sterling Shepard is very dynamic. I think he he doesn't get enough credit for his ability when he's in space. And the Giants just haven't found ways to get him in space often. And I don't think he ran the ball too many times last year on like end arounds, but there's one I do remember. I remember he ran and I... And I I remember the play, and it just so happens that it jogged my memory because I was looking at his pro football focus, and he had he had three runs no, last Pro year. football reference, David. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. The other pro football. And it was against the 49ers on Monday Night Football, and it was, like a, it was a 27, he 27 yards. They need to find ways to get Shepard in space, and, and I think what, where, where Shepard will benefit is because for so, for so long now, it's been all about getting Beckham in space. It's been all about finding ways to get Odell the ball in different ways in space, whether it was in the backfield, whether it was on a curl, whether it was on a screen, whether regardless. I think Shepard's going to benefit from having Odell gone. And it's funny because in, in our in our full-length episode that, that just came out, I was talking about how I think for the last couple of years, we've been we've been saying, well, Odell's going to open up so many opportunities for other players, and I actually don't think that's worked as well as people expected it to work. But I do think this offense will open up opportunities for Sterling she- for Sterling Shepard. In a, in a perfect world, Pat Shermer wants to utilize the screen game a whole lot more than he actually is, and that's just simply because Eli Manning is just not a good quarterback for throwing screens. He's not, whether it's two running, especially if it's to running backs, but for some reason, he doesn't put enough zip on the ball. He doesn't have enough confidence with throwing screen passes laterally to to wide receivers. He doesn't, he doesn't sell screens either. He doesn't sell screens at all. Eli, the play action fakes. <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really where Eli's manic strength is in. Like you think about it, we're like, Oh, you know, screens aren't his strengths. Uh, Three regular three step and five step dropbacks, not really a strength. The only place where Eli Manning is like really, really strong is like play actions. And that's what we've been claiming for on this podcast. But uh, you, know, you mentioned his role with and without Beckham. Now, there are some, uh, uh, this is from Pro Football Focus, not from Pro, pro Football Reference. There's too many pro footballs and it confuses David. So with Beckham, Sterling Shepard through 2017 and the 2018 season. So these are like an average of those two seasons with Odell Beckham Jr. He averages about six targets per game, 4.2 receptions, almost 54 yards. And if you're a and if you're a fantasy guru, that's uh that's 11.3 PPR points per game without Odell Beckham Jr. He averages eight and a half targets per game over five receptions, and around 68 yards per game with PPR points at 13.2. So not extremely significant of a difference between the two, but I mean, it's it's definitely worth 
noting i think especially the targets how he gets two more targets per game well i mean naturally when you lose a guy like odell though all of those targets have to go somewhere else but now I, i'm sorry can you go back to the what was the difference in yards the difference in yards was 50 uh, approximately 54 yards with odell beckham jr and without odell beckham jr they were nearly up to 68 what I was going to say was I was I was afraid that those extra targets were really just yielding like, you know, another two yard completion. I was surprised by this. His yards per reception was a lot higher than I thought it was. Well, it, 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 I don't know if you're looking at it, Justin, but if you weren't, if you're not last year, what do you think his yards per reception was roughly? I mean, it's certainly above knowing knowing everything you know about this offense and and where they struggle. I mean, it's certainly above average because he's up there with Golden Tate in terms of his yards after catch. Like he, it's like him and Golden Tate are like in the top five of yards after catch. I'm gonna say it's definitely above twelve and a half. So I'm gonna say it's definitely somewhere in between twelve and a half, but thirteen and a half. I definitely feel like it's pushing it. He's at thirteen point two. Ooh, good for me. Very, I was very, I'm very impressed, Justin. That was very nice. 13.2 yards a catch last year. I, I think this is going back to my initial point. It's about find ways to get him in space. He's really, he is really dynamic. He's not just a route runner. He's not just um, a good set of hands, tough across the middle of the field. He's, he is all of those things, in my opinion. But he's really, really good after the catch. He knows how to get, how to just get upfield. And I, and I think without Odell. Again, those targets have to go somewhere. Golden Tate's not going to get all of Odell's targets, as we talked about in Golden Tate's episode. He's also missing four games. Yeah, exactly. There, there are there are targets to be had among this team, and if I'm like, there's the David. There's like 130, 140 targets to be had. On well, this I'm saying, well, team. I'm saying, Golden. However many Golden Tate we think is going to get, you know, takeouts just to, for numbers' sake. Say we expect Golden Tate's going to have 100 targets. I'm just picking a flat number. I'm not projecting that. He has 100 targets. We can easily just say, well, you know, take Odell's targets, subtract 100 from it. What's left? Because you're replacing number one receiver production for number one receiver production. You understand? You know what I'm saying? Yes. So his targets have to go somewhere, and I think Sterling Shepard is going to be the main beneficiary of that. So I think it's interesting because when a guy like Odell leaves, the lazy takes and the talking heads on on social media and – and TV and the radio, the lazy takes are saying, you know, oh, you can't lose Odell Beckham and get better on offense. It's just impossible. You can't do it. I think every single player on this team is going to be is going to be for the better without Odell. And I think the team as a whole will be. But I think Sterling Shepard out of everybody will benefit the most. Right. So let's go over some uh, some Sterling Shepard numbers, especially as we're talking about targets, targets, targets. In 2016, in what is a uh, 2016 and 2017, what is a dormant offense? We saw 2016 Sterling Shepard's rookie season in 16 games. 16 games started, 105 targets, 65 receptions. Not a great catch rate at almost uh, approximately 62 percent. But 683 yards, eight touchdowns. The eight touchdowns is the thing that pops out of the board. 2017, um, he had 11 games, 10 games started. Remember, this is the season where he had his migraine slash I can't see issues, but also that entire season was just a shit shit show. Nobody wanted to see it. But regardless, David, like his numbers, you know, 10 games started and only 11 games played, 84 targets, 59 receptions, 731 yards, only two touchdowns, but with the 70% catch rate. But David, that's... 
That's pretty damn good. So, David, he was on pace for 86 catches and 1,063 yards. And again, what was a absolute dormant of an offense, and that would have been, you know, his career high in 2017 and then even in 2018, he did not even have that many yards, and he started in 16 games. But again, most of that season, most of that sample size that we saw in 2017 was without Odell Beckham Jr. But I think for your argument and for your argument's sake that that is not, that's not a bad thing to say, oh yeah, Sterling Shepard did so well without Odell Beckham Jr. 2018, started 16 games, was played in, played in 16 games, got over 100 targets uh, just like he did in 2016. He had 66 catches, 872 yards, four touchdowns, so the touchdowns went up a little bit more. Again, around a 62% catch rate which isn't fantastic. You really want to see that number up higher by like the 65, 67% range. He also did lead the team in drops last year, even though he was one of the most, you know, also take that with a grain of salt because he was one of the only consistent wide receivers that was actually on the field for all 16 games as Evan Ingram was out with an injury. Um, Cody Latimer was out. Obviously Beckham was out with injuries and so on and so forth. So um, David, another, another stat that I want to, I've given this on, Cody Latimer's um, previewing the Giants episode, but I want to revisit it. I have always found that Eli Manning is so much more accurate when throwing the ball to Sterling Shepard compared to any other of his receivers throughout the years. And this actually is backed up by the player profilers target accuracy metric. It grades the accuracy of each target on a scale of one to four one representing the least accurate and four representing the most accurate. So target accuracies that are above three are seen as like excellent. And those are above two are on the highly errant rate. So Sterling Shepard has a target accuracy, has a target accuracy in 2018. He had a 2.8 with Eli Manning. Evan Ingram had a 3.0, which I mean, frankly, you can argue it's a little bit more easier to be more accurate with a tight end since you're probably, you know, throwing a lot more closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, compared to, you know, your wide receivers where you're trying to throw the ball. You also yeah. generally have a much bigger target. Right, right. Generally speaking. But Odell Beckham Jr.'s target accuracy was 2.6. So that is about, you know, uh, 0.2 of a, of a decimal point that's below. So Eli Manning, according to this metric, was less accurate throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. than he was to Sterling Shepard. So... Even though it, it may be slight, my my theory has been backed up by player profile, which I absolutely love some of their some of their metrics that they have. So I've always I mean, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to say like, oh, yeah, you, you know, this, I'm not trying to defend Odell or anything. You know, he's not on the football team anymore. But fact of the matter is Eli Manning is extremely accurate and almost at an excellent rate accurate when he's throwing the ball to Sterling Shepard. It's funny because if if. Somebody asked you who had never watched the Giants before who but wanted to know what kind of plays is Eli Manning the best at. And in my head, I'm going to say, number one, when he has a good tight end and they have a good rapport and you can start getting the tight end involved on seam routes, you can get the, the tight end involved on you know five to seven yard curls, things like that, Eli shines. Those are really, really good situations for Eli. He's always been very good throwing the ball to tight end. So I think that makes sense. Right, you have Ingram. Eli is very accurate going to his tight end. Always has been. Can I guess the second person? Go ahead. It is the 
Third down slot receiver. Third down slot receiver who finds himself across the middle of the field at the first down marker, not on the sideline too often. It, it's it's the guy in the middle of the field. It's the crossing route. It's the slant route. It's just kind of finding a spot in a soft zone and sitting there. Look back to guys like Mario Manningham, Steve Smith. All of these guys have always been so important to Eli Manning, the guy who, who's across the middle of the field, always at the first down marker. Um, and the ability to get those guys the ball in space has always been very important for Eli. And I think that's part of the reason why Sterling Shepard is so important to this team. And I think that's that's why you see that accuracy from Eli Manning is so much higher when the ball is going to Sterling Shepard as opposed to those prototypical number one receivers that are split out way out wide. In addition to that, I think what's also really important for Shepard, and this is really important this season, and Justin, you've mentioned this a couple of times, that you want to see Sterling Shepard in the slot, regardless of what receivers are healthy and who's unhealthy. You want to see him in the slot. And the numbers back that up. He's always been a very, very productive receiver in the slot. And we're talking upper echelon of the league. So at least from uh, 2017, because that's what a lot of uh, pro football focus data has available on- online. From 2017, he was top five in the league in terms of most yards from the slot. He was fifth with 639, and also, very notably, Golden Tate was second with 761. This team has been constructed in a certain way, and Sterling Shepard fits that mold beautifully, which is why I think seeing a guy like Odell leave, while difficult to make up that production, it will be made up in other places, and a guy like Sterling Shepard will be significantly the better for it. He also had a contested catch rate of like almost 64%, and that was like top three in the league in 2017 as well. So there you go. The guy's really good. The guy is really, really good. It stings for him because he 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 balled out in a year where they were awful. Nobody paid any attention. He he silently has he's a productive receiver. And I think this year he's gonna he's gonna continue to take those steps. That's why we signed him. Four year deal or four year extension. That's why I got his jersey. Amen. All right, so uh, David, uh, we've kind of skipped out on this on previous episodes, um, just because sometimes there's there's a little point about talking about numbers for certain players, but wide receivers is one of those positions where you actually can kind of give like a numbers and stat prediction. So where do you see um, his catches, targets, yards, touchdowns, and some of those fun, fun numbers uh, lining up this year? Well, I think, you know, I think you get a, you get a pretty decent insight into what his targets are going to look like because for for portions of his career, Odell's been out. So I think that gives you insight into how he's going to be used. Now, I think the offense will be a little bit different, but 107 targets last year, I would expect that number to honestly to stay relatively the same. I think his targets will be pretty high in the first couple weeks of the year, but when Tate comes back, I think the ball will be spread out a lot. Um, so I would say somewhere in the in the... 100 to maybe as high as 115. Um, I wouldn't get any higher than that. Receptions, like you said, we want to see his catch rate go up. So if his targets stay about the same, going from 66 catches to you know high 70s, add on 10 catches, that would be that would make a very big difference. Um, so I could see I could see him around 110 targets, 70 catches, 75 catches. Um, I think his touchdowns will continue. Uh, I think maybe somewhere between five and seven touchdowns. I don't really like trying to figure out yards. It's such a random, it's a, it's a, it's a tough stat to predict. You can give it a shot if you want. 
I'm going to go kind of nutso here. I'm going to say 925 yards. If he, let's just say if he has 125 targets this year, 125 targets times 65%, times 0.65, which that's a solid catch rate. That's 81 catches. 125 targets with the 65% catch rate is 81 receptions. Now, if he has 81 receptions and 900 yards, that is around 11 yards per reception, which mm-hmm. isn't too bad, but also it's it's very much working towards that was his numbers that he had with Ben McAdoo, where you do typically see Sterling Shepard based off of his 2018 yards per reception numbers that they it is higher. It is much higher than 12 and a half and it is near the 13 range. So. I don't know. Like it's he's he's one of those guys where it's like I, I I like have a good feeling about Golden Tate and what he's going to do. I have a good feeling that Cody Latimer in terms of what he is going to do. But Sterling Shepard honestly could be like this wild card, even though we have yeah. seen him and what he can do without Odell Beckham Jr. But at the same time, now that we know that it is at least for the first four games that he is the clear cut number one wide receiver at least for the first four games of the season, how does that therefore impact the rest of his season like honestly i think it is absolute ceiling 125 targets something like 80 catches and 900 yards 925 yards i think that is ceiling now david i'm surprised because you're typically a guy that loves to talk about like this guy being used as a red zone weapon and this guy being used as a red zone weapon stonic shepherd in his career has been used as that red zone weapon yet you didn't talk about that with Sterling Shepard. So I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to hear your your brief little explanation behind that and then we will skedaddle on out of here and call this episode off. I st- I still think he's a red zone weapon. I just we we've addressed that earlier in the episode so I kind of figured I wouldn't I wouldn't reiterate it. But to reiterate it, yeah, I think we talked about with Golden Tate um we can see a lot of those beautiful quote unquote illegal pick plays and I think I think that'll be his- and they did. They ran it, David. Just not for Sterling Shepard. Obviously, he wasn't playing. It was Benny Fowler. But if you sub, I think you would just substitute Benny Fowler for Sterling Shepard. That that group, the Golden Tate Sterling Shepard match, um, is going to really be, I think, efficient in the red zone. Although it's also important to realize, again, Odell Beckham got all of the red zone targets, almost like to a nauseating rate. I can back. I can back up your claim with some numbers. Odell Beckham Jr. had a red zone target share of 30%, which was top 10 in the league. He had an end zone target share of 50%, which was third in the league. Those targets are not just going to get you know picked up and given to somebody else. That's going to be very evenly spread, I think. That that could limit Sterling Shepherds. That could that could put his touchdown and red zone target share at you know a ceiling. All right. So uh I David, I think that's gonna do it. Okay. I, I would agree with you. I think that's I think that's gonna do it. I'm I think that's gonna do it for this previewing the Giants episode, previewing Sterling Shepard. Today is, um, what day is today? So Thursday, today's Friday. So you will hopefully be hearing us tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed the Cincinnati Bengals game, the third game of the preseason. It has not been played yet by the time that we're recording this. So it's unfortunate that I cannot even give you any kind of reaction to it, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're enjoying Bleeding Blue. And keep on bleeding blue. And David. Stay beautiful, everybody.